And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, this is a grand and glorious day because the Cardinals were back on the field today. Um, spring training has gone through the pitchers and catchers and everybody reporting to the live drills to the uh, pitchers fielding championships. And now we've got games happening on TV. Been there, uh, you know, still got announcers in St. Louis, but you know, it's something. Um, Tara, I know you've been busy this week. You didn't get a chance to see this. Um, but just in general, how exciting is it to, to finally have some games to talk about? I'm going to answer your question, but I'm hoping you don't hear my dog in the background. He's been fine this whole time, <laughs> and now he's just sitting here whining at me. Oh, he's he's got opinions. He yeah, wants to he, get in on this. He has thoughts. Apparently, I'm not sure how many of them are about baseball, but <laughs> we'll find out. Um, no, it's always good to see actual baseball happening. This spring training has felt like it went by really quickly, and maybe it's just me, but it feels like. It just started, and also now, like, I feel like there's usually a little more time before games are happening, so I haven't quite caught my breath enough to realize, oh, yeah, there's actually, there's baseball that you can watch on TV today, even if it's the kind that uh, Alex Crisofoli doesn't like to think is real. Nonetheless... <laughs> There was baseball happening today, and there are actual storylines to discuss at this point, which will change a million times by the end of spring training. But it's always nice to get that to get to that mark where you go, okay, all right, they're back on the field, and there's there's baseball in a new form other than just talking about the same old things that we've been talking about all winter. Yeah, it is, it is nice. Um, and let's say I want to preface everything I expect most likely that goes with the rest of the show with it's only one game. It's spring training, all <laughs> those caveats, all the stuff that doesn't really matter. And and if we're talking about things, I think we realize that, you know, this time next week, it may be something completely different. And, you know, by the time the season starts, this is probably not an issue, but this is all we've got. We've got one little spring training game um, to discuss some things maybe that have come along before that. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to say we're going to blow anything out of a proportion, but it's something to discuss and to think about. And, and Tara, this, this was a little bit different of a spring training opener. One, they weren't playing the Marlins. I don't know when the last <laughs> time they didn't play the Marlins was the first game in, in spring, but also because of there's a day off day next week to day off tomorrow. I'll get it out somewhere. And the fact that there are fewer games this spring with the cut down from 30 to 24 and um, some idea that some games won't be full nine inning affairs. The Cardinals ran out what, except for the DH, could be a starting lineup for opening day. You saw all the, the regular starters out there. And that's a little bit different too, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, spring training, it's usually like, you know, two weeks before you actually see all the starters back in there. It is. And it's an interesting approach. I know the off day is sort of the excuse for, well, we can do it because there's an off day. Mm -hmm. But I also think 
we've seen a, a number of different approaches in spring training, right? Dating back to the Mike Matheny era, where there was the idea that you hold on to your everyday starters for as long as possible and don't, you know, sort of tire them out before you get to opening day. Then there was the idea that, well, they didn't get enough work in, so they need to play more to to get them into game shape by opening day and beyond. And I don't know that there's any real solid evidence of what strategy works best in the spring, but I do think that this is a group that maybe for the first time doesn't have as many question marks about available spots, right? There aren't as many openings in terms of we have no idea who's going to play at this corner infield spot, or we have no idea what the lineup is going to look like on any given day. And that makes it automatically easier to kind of start off the spring by saying, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're going for. And if someone wants to break into that with a stellar spring performance that makes them rearrange or question things, more power to them. But maybe there just aren't as many uncertainties in this spring training as there have been in years past. And that allows them to roll this out there instead of feeling like, well, we have to try a bunch of stuff to see what works first. Yeah. There's, that's very possible too. And it, I do Mike Schilt. I don't know. I haven't read his post game comments or anything like that, but I, I don't figure he would say that, but there might be some idea of look, 2020 was terrible overall. And if we can see this, lineup that we might see on a regular basis to start the spring it, it, it gives a little bit of hope and optimism maybe to, to that maybe it's a little bit of symbolism being read into that now it was a lineup like i think most of us would kind of expect to see um but matt carpenter was hitting second and playing and batting in the dh spot which again once the season comes around he that dh is not going to be an option at least not most of the time um, and we saw Dylan Carlson hitting seventh behind Yadier Molina. Um, do you think that's just a a factor of the fact that there's a DH and they're trying to get Matt Carpenter a chance to see as many at bats as possible so that he can maybe you know get started or something? Or is that a concern that Dylan Carlson's going to be kind of shuffled down the lineup? That's actually going to be a really interesting storyline for me to watch this spring, particularly in terms of what the role for Matt Carpenter even looks like at this point, because there certainly doesn't appear to be an everyday spot for him unless he starts tearing it up at the plate. And then as we've seen in the past, you make room for him where you need him if his bat is as good as it can be. What that means for Dylan Carlson, I don't know that the two are uniquely tied to each other in the sense of uh, what Matt Carpenter does will specifically and exclusively impact Dylan Carlson. But I do think, look, it's not a secret that Dylan Carlson struggled pretty significantly last season to try to figure out major league pitching. And we saw glimmers of everything that he can be, everything that he is reported to be capable of and the things that we've seen from him at the minor league level. So maybe this is just to ease him in a little bit. Maybe it's just because... Look, Matt Carpenter's not going to play in the field very much at this point. So to get him at bats, he needed to be up towards the top of the lineup. Uh, spring training games, you usually only see one or two at bats from these guys anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's I think the two are more separate than 
it appeared today, I guess. And I think in some respects, they appear more linked because there's some thought that Dylan Carlson could hit in that two spot, right? Right, Um, right. uh, The DH isn't going to be a regularity in the National League uh, for this season. So that's not going to be a concern in terms of, oh, well, if Matt Carpenter plays, then Dylan Carlson is going to you know, get stuck in the bottom of the lineup somewhere. But I do think that on some level, Dylan Carlson needs to become the major league version of Dylan Carlson that everyone thinks he's capable of, everyone mm-hmm. has seen glimmers of, before we sort of crown him the saving grace of the 2021 season. Of course, Nolan Arenado being there can kind of take that crown from him yeah. right off the bat. But I think part of that pressure that we saw weighing so heavily on him last season was the idea that, well, Dylan Carlson's here now, he's going to fix everything. Um, finding a way to take away that pressure or at least keep that from building up early on is probably a good thing. I don't think my, my assumption is that Mike Schilt does has not given up on Dylan Carlson being a dominating factor in the the top half of the lineup. Uh, I think probably just with Matt Carpenter being where he was today and, uh, you know, making sure that that is one of the pieces that is a bit uncertain, making sure that those at bats are taken. Maybe Dylan Carlson isn't as much of a question right now as Matt Carpenter is, so they don't feel like they need to see as much from him in that spot because they can just as easily move him up when he starts hitting the ball well. So uh, that's a lot of sort of rambling my way through that thought because we don't know what Dylan Carlson is going to look like when he does get comfortable. And we can all assume, we can all expect, we can project those ideas of what we've seen from him in the past. He does have to start living up to that in order to kind of earn that spotting the top half of the lineup, whereas Matt Carpenter has to do that in a different way in proving that what we've seen from him in the past at the major league level is still something that he's capable of. So yeah, I guess in some respect, those are two guys that are out to prove something this spring when everyone knows they're capable of it. It's just a matter of whether or not we'll see it consistently. Yeah. I I think that, you know, for me, when we've been sketching out, um, lineups this last couple of weeks, especially since the, since the trade for Nolan Arenado, um, you know, we've had that idea that Carlson hitting second in part, because in theory with Goldschmidt and Arenado um, sitting behind him, he's probably going to see more fastballs. And that was the biggest issue last year was just the, the tons of off speed stuff that he saw much more than a normal rookie would. But, you know, again, it, with the DH, it's hard, it's hard to know. I, you know, I'd like to think that there's been a little bit of discussion that maybe Yadier Molina's position is a little bit less, I don't want to say secure, because it's obviously Yadier Molina, but maybe a little less powerful than it has been in the past. But, you know, with Yadi hitting sixth today, maybe it's still Yadi's uh, show after all it's you know again it's one day and it's you know as um mike schilt said 
when he was talking with uh, Danny Mac and Jim Edmonds in the middle of the game, you know, he sketched out a lot of different lineups and a lot of different ideas. And I'm sure that, you know, spring training gives him a chance to play with some of those. And he went with this one today. Well, just, you know, it's hard to know without seeing two or three or four games of a similar lineup, whether it means anything or it was just a trial and, you know, we'll go from there. But it was something a little bit interesting to see just because of all the regulars that were in the lineup, including the starting pitcher, which was Jack Flaherty. Um, Flaherty's day was not nearly as exciting as you would like, but it's also the first outing of spring. It's first outing in a long time for this man who has just gone through arbitration and everything like that since last we talked. Um, and, and Tara, again, I know we don't take much out of a, out of the first game, although I'm sure Jack Flaherty's beating himself up over it. Um, and, you know, Angel Hernandez was behind the plate. And, you know, I think that tells you everything you need to know about the game. Yeah, usually it does. Yeah. <laughs> usually that is a great place to start. Uh, no, look, Jack Flaherty is the kind of guy that when he's comfortable, when he's right, he is one of the best in the game. But we've seen him uh, a couple of times in each of his major league seasons, maybe more often last season, although... <laughs> Louis has lots of opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> he's very aggressive in his uh, defense of Jack Flaherty. Um, no, but it's look, he's a guy that we've seen when he struggles. It kind of, it, it looks bad when he struggles, but it looks mm -hmm. really, really great <laughs> when he figures it out. I will say I'm not worried about Jack Flaherty in terms of him being able to figure it out or if his stuff is good enough or if he really should be the opening day starter. What does concern me a tiny, tiny bit is the pressure that Jack Flaherty puts on himself. Um, he's taken to this sort of leadership role really beautifully and started to try to live up to that a little bit, I think, instead of just being Jack Flaherty. And mm -hmm. I, I wonder sometimes, because even after his start today, talking to the the press after the fact he was very adamant in saying i was just bad today i was just bad yeah. today no nothing was wrong i was just bad today and that's you can look at it as being you know refreshingly honest right where it's just like he's not trying to make excuses he's not giving you kind of the the sugar-coated media uh, trained answer. He's just saying, no, I just actually wasn't good. That's all that happened. <laughs> However, he's the kind of player that I wonder how much he internalizes that and can kind of like double down on the fact that I wasn't good last time. So I need to not be not good <laughs> the next <laughs> time out rather than being able to just kind of set it down, walk away from it and go out and do what he does the next time. Now we've seen him be able to do just that right we've seen him do that in his major league career he just also has taken on this this role of maybe being the guy that will say what you don't expect him to say <laughs> in his attempt to be very transparent and very honest about himself in and out of the game and i think that's an amazing thing and i i appreciate that about him i just don't want to have it turn into you know sometimes it it's like 
those of us who find humor in in some you know self-deprecating jokes right mm-hmm. if you do that too often and you take it too seriously it stops being a joke at some point <laughs> and i just don't want to see Jack Flaherty put so much pressure on himself to be this guy, right? To be the guy that winning the arbitration case says he is, right? The guy that the the Players Association says, Jack Flaherty, you can be one of those guys that changes the, the, the status quo, right? That sets the bar for players behind you, that does more with your voice than just play baseball. And all of those are good things. All of those are things that I'm thrilled to see him participate in but it creates this this external pressure that he then internalizes to say okay now I have to live up to that right on and off the field I know what people expect of me I know what I expect of myself and I have to live up to that so I'm not worried about Jack Flaherty in the sense of can he be as good as he has been because we've seen him do it, right? He's he. We know what his stuff looks like. We know what he can do when he's in that zone and and in that headspace. I do hope that we have heard him talk a bit more negatively about himself in situations like this, where he'll say, "I just wasn't good," and. I see the pressure building around those outings rather than just as we've seen him do in the past, kind of forgetting about it and moving on. So today, one day, not that worried, <laughs> quite frankly, not worried at all. It's it's one inning. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a full start where he had a chance to work through issues because we're not there yet in the spring. Um, I just think in general, if I had a concern about Jack Flaherty, it would be that there is a lot of pressure on him to live up to some level of expectation from other people and probably even more of an expectation of himself. Yeah. And you got to figure that that's a good thing that Adam Wainwright's around for something like that. Yeah. Um, Because Wainwright's been there. He's been through pretty much anything that Jack Flaherty is going to go through. I mean, he's been through high pressure situations. He's been the guy, although he kind of shared that with uh, Chris Carpenter a lot. Um, And I think he understands, you know, a way to maybe break into through those walls and say, look, don't, don't do all that. You know, Um, you know, you can only do what you can do. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've heard from Jack Flaherty a lot, right? You control what you can control. And I think if, you know, somebody like Wainwright especially can, you know, indicate to that, you know, just kind of remind him of that, you know, look, you can't control what, you know, you did last time. You can't control what you're going to do next time. You can only control this start. Um, You know, maybe that, maybe that helps. I I don't know, but I figure that having that veteran guy like Adam Wainwright, who has been through so much and so many different, you know, setbacks and everything like that. Um, and who has the respect of those young guys um, can can kind of get through to them a little bit. Hopefully, we'll we'll see. Um, also on the pitching front, uh, it was found out after the game that Miles Michaelis was going to start a game tomorrow. Uh, they've pushed that back. I don't think they've said to how far. Right now, they're just saying it's being, you know, they're just being cautious. There, it's nothing to worry about. Um, it feels like it's something to worry about. Uh, it's a Cardinal. It's, it's still kind of an arm issue. There was this idea that that surgery was going to help him not need Tommy John. If he's having any kind of issues, I think we kind of hold our breath a little bit, don't we? Yeah, it's, um, 
look, anytime anyone's pushed back in spring training, I don't know how there can be any sort of assumption that people will take that as less than, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's always what it is in spring training. I-, I don't remember a time, and I'm sure there have been, I don't remember a time where there was, oh, we're just being cautious kinds of scenarios that didn't end up being more serious down the line. Now, whether that yeah. means Tommy John surgery or missing a bunch of starts in the middle of the season, you know, whatever. But that always ends up being more than just being cautious, it seems, especially when it comes to early in the spring. Miles Michaelis coming off of an entire year of not pitching is, um, you would think, would be beneficial in terms of having the rest and having the recovery, but it also means an entire year of not working up to to full strength and to full effort, and that doesn't always go according to plan when you go back to that. So uh, it's the rotation continues to be a bit of a concern for me because it's pretty precarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if everyone is there as expected, then it's a strength, but there are too many pieces of that equation that are far more uncertain than you would like them to be at this stage of the game. Miles Michaelis being one of them. So uh, he is not going to be the, the, the number one pitcher on the staff, I wouldn't imagine, but he is, he does have a very important role to play if he's able to do it. Hopefully this is the one time that caution is just (laughs) caution. (laughs) But I don't know that anyone really buys that right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit disconcerting. I mean, again, it, it may not be, you're right, it may not be Tommy John, but, you know, it could easily, there's a lot of steps between, oh, it's perfectly fine, and oh, it needs Tommy John. I mean, there's, a, like you said, a few steps, you know, miss a few stars here and there, or, you know, push back. So, you know, he gets left at extended spring training and he'll be ready for May 1st, which then becomes May 15th and, you know, that kind of stuff. Then it's the all-star break. And yeah. Then, and then, know. well, we're going to shut him down for the year. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've seen this before with people. Now, hopefully, again, hopefully it is really just a, you know, building up arm strengths. He'll be back out there in a couple of days. Occasionally it does happen that way. Occasionally we do get a little too excited about these kinds of things, but not that often. If... Michaelis for some reason can't go. Um, you know, there does seem to be a little bit of a active battle for, you know, I think some people would like to say, oh, they're battling for the fifth starter spot. I don't think there's really a competition for that. Um, if Michaelis is healthy, but it was that sixth starter spot that might become the fifth starter now. Um, and that's John Gant, who apparently has been interested in becoming a starter again, pitched well today. Uh, Alex Reyes also pitched well today. You've got Daniel Ponce de Leon, um, who hasn't hasn't gone yet. Um, I don't, I haven't really heard Hennessy Cabrera's name in this mix very much anymore. I think they're kind of looking at him at just reliever. But if it's between those three, is there somebody that you'd like to see get the first shot at it? Oh boy, that's tough with those three because I like them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Alex Reyes has the highest upside of that group. I think what we've seen from him at times is that top end of the rotation kind of stuff. We haven't seen it from him super consistently, obviously, but you know what he did in the uh, bullpen last year was crucial to what this team was able to, to do 
over the course of that shortened season. I think the same thing is true of John Gant. What he's been able to do the last couple of years out of the bullpen has kept the Cardinals afloat more than once because they were able to utilize him probably too much while they sorted out some of those other things, other pieces in the bullpen, as well as the rotation getting guys up to speed in, you know, 2019, we saw kind of the short starts from a bunch of the starters and, and uh, you know, so all those, all those things come into play when you're talking about John Gant. Um, I think Daniel Ponce de Leon is, he's so interesting because he's one of those guys that is too good for AAA and mm-hmm. he then struggles occasionally when he has the opportunity to try to replicate that at the major league level. We've seen him be incredibly successful We've also seen him struggle just as incredibly. So all three of those guys bring something totally different. Reyes has that wicked movement. Of course, John Gant has the uh, pitch that no one ever really knows how to classify. (laughs) Uh, And then Daniel Ponce de Leon is that bulldog type guy that's just going to come at you with every pitch. I don't know that I see him just from what we have seen being as successful in the rotation as perhaps someone with um, just a little bit more of that unique movement uh, like a Reyes or a a Gantt. Um, But I don't know. They've all been out of the rotation for so long. I I guess I would say Ponce Leon is the closest to the rotation in my mind because he's been a spot 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 starter more regularly than either of those other two but they've all been out of the rotation on a sort of every five days basis for long enough that I think it would be difficult to assess how successful they could be in that role because they've been so successful in their roles out of the bullpen um, in you know sort of in place of their opportunities as a starter so gosh I don't even know which direction I would say I want to see that go if one of them becomes that that fifth starter or the sixth starter that will eventually start at some point <laughs> um, because they all are better than AAA, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they all have played very specific and important roles in the bullpen. So it's hard at this stage of the game for any one of them, probably more so for John Gant and Alex Reyes to be taken out of those important bullpen roles and moved into the rotation though I will say getting Jordan Hicks back (laughs) gives back some of those innings in the bullpen that they don't need from John Gant or Alex Reyes every night Um, but you add Jordan Hicks to Alex Reyes and John Gant in the bullpen and good night (laughs) yeah so there's some value there as well that you 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 know we played this game theoretically of course with with Carlos Martinez a couple of years ago as we batted around the idea of bullpen versus rotation and the idea is where is he most valuable is he most valuable as a shut down closer or as a you know potential Cy Young caliber starter where is there more value in him and that's the question they're going to have to ask for guys like Gant and Reyes at this stage of the game as well. Yeah, I think if you could just wave a magic wand and make him at least the stamina available for a starter, we'd want to see Alex Reyes there just in part because, you know, we've been wanting to see Alex Reyes as a starter for five or six years now. Um, So it would be great for him to have that opportunity. But you're right. I mean, to build up to that, 
it would be tough. I mean, it feels like if for some reason Michaelis can't go, you're going to get a guy like they're going to call Gant, like Gant or Reyes or maybe even Ponce de Leon, that fifth starter. But somebody else is going to probably pitch a lot behind them. You know, they're going right. to start, but they're only yeah. going to go like three innings the first time out. And you're going to need three innings from Gant or Reyes or whoever isn't that starter. Um, at least a couple times through the rotation is that they start to build up to that. Um, you know, that being said, I know that, um, we've seen, uh, well, Mike Schultz was talking about how Alec, you know, Adam Wainwright, you know, missed a whole year and then comes back and is pitching just like normal. Uh, we do see that sometimes with Tommy John that they you miss a year and they can get back in that rotation and maybe they're not pitching seven or eight innings, but they're still pitching five. And yeah. so maybe it's not as much of a, of a jump as we think, but it feels like it would be a lot. And, Again, hopefully it's a moot point. Hopefully Michaelis is back. Uh, this is just a just a routine type of thing. But it's the Cardinals. It's a pitcher. It's spring training, and yeah, you know, boy, that that's just not a mix you uh, want to hear. No, 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 not not ever. <laughs> no, not at all. Cardinals play quite regularly this week. I know they're off tomorrow. I don't remember if they're off again later in the week, but um, in there, you know, going to play the same four teams through or maybe the same three or three or four teams at least um throughout the spring um i don't again spring training doesn't mean much but does that bother you at all i mean again it's obviously makes sense we understand the reasoning for it's to keep the travel down and you know for for covid related reasons but you know in general you know i like to see a little bit more variety i guess in that schedule if you could do it yeah, I don't think uh, just on a personal level, I'm not that worried about it because at this point of the year, it's more about reps than about who right. you're seeing. Uh, but, you know, it is always interesting when you get those later spring matchups where it's uh, a couple teams that are going to be particularly relevant in the season. Right. And you get sort of a preview of what that series is going to look like. So from a fan's perspective of what we get to see and enjoy, it might get a little more monotonous than it already is in the spring with only seeing the same handful of teams, but I get it. And I, I think the repetitions are going to be the same either way. And it'll allow guys to focus on how to best prepare for the season that they're about to head into. So I'm not that concerned about it. I'm not that upset about it. I think um, getting these guys safely through the end of spring training is the biggest key to all of this. And then, you know, secondarily, just getting them the the repetitions in game action that they need to be ready for opening day, which is much easier said than done. We've seen them struggle with that, whether it's pitchers being ready, built up enough or not, you know, <laughs> overworked heading into the spring. The same thing for uh, the position players as well. So that's that's the challenge in my mind more so than who the opponent is, which, I, you know, isn't some sort of particularly unique take. <laughs> uh, it's just it is different when we're used to seeing spring training happen a certain way. And, I, you know, if anything, it's just a reminder that things still aren't totally back to normal and everyone still has to be cautious and everyone still has to be careful. There were some fans in the stands today and that was uh, an interesting thing to see after so much time of watching sporting events without fans. Um, but the, the caution still has to be there. And if this is part of that, then I'm okay with it. 
Yeah, it's just uh, pulling up the schedule and looking at it. It's a very, very unique schedule because it really it's it's four days on, one day off, um, pretty much the whole. I mean, the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, and that's I don't remember quite as many days off in spring, which again that's kind of because they cut the games down. But uh, and and it's a very strict thing. I mean, there's you know what three weeks from now uh, is a Sunday with no baseball. I mean, a Sunday with no baseball is just, I I mean, they have had some weird scheduling quirks in the last little bit, but I mean, in this Saturday coming up, no baseball, a weekend, a Saturday or Sunday without a baseball game from whenever games start till October is just a weird phenomenon and again it's it's not a big deal but it's just a little bit um a little bit off because especially on the weekend and we've talked about this before and we talked about it on unusual this week these spring training games are during the day so a lot of us we get excited about it but if you're working you don't get a chance to watch them it's really only you know maybe if they're a late game where we've got a couple of games that they're playing at five o'clock uh, this week against the Astros and Nationals. But other than that, it's the weekend when you get to watch them um, to, to have a, a couple weekends without a game on them is, is a little weird. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely strange. And it's not the most convenient for viewers of those spring training games <laughs> to say the least, but you know, uh, there are adaptations all over the place, whether sure. it's for COVID or, because we're coming up on a CBA situation and everyone's trying to figure out what they can and can't get away with. And all that's, you know, still in play very much at this point in the minds of players and of, of ownership and all of those things. So there are adjustments and adaptations all around and, you know, it's a beautiful thing to have a weekend where you can just sit back and enjoy baseball. That's going to be a little bit strange, but hopefully by the end of the summer, most of that strangeness is gone and we can be less uh, cognizant of all of those changes and adjustments and things that are abnormal and can get back to, you know, watching baseball the way that we have for so long. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the hope. And, and honestly, that looks like um, really good chance of being a reality. And that's a, uh, that's an exciting thing to say. So Tara and I will be back with you next week. We'll have what five more games um, to draw um, crazy conclusions from way too early, way too early analysis on. Um, so until then for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.